0: Welcome to the Indie by Design podcast, the show about great games and their creators. This is episode 14, hosted by me, John Robertson, and today we're talking to Steve Gaynor. Steve is a co-founder of The Fulbright Company, the studio behind Gone Home and Tacoma, and he also worked as lead designer on the brilliant Bioshock 2 DLC, Minerva's Den. Before we go into that, we'd just like to remind you of our social media... You can follow Indie by Design, stay up to date with all of our podcasts, our books, our editorial, our videos on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. That's all at Indie by Design. Just search Indie by Design on those platforms and you'll find us. Or you can go to indiebydesign.net and everything is on there as well. If you'd like to leave us a review on your preferred podcasting platform or subscribe to us on YouTube, then that would be very much appreciated. We'd also like to remind you that Indie by Design is unfunded, but you can help support us with a few dollars a month by going to our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Indie by Design. Any support is greatly appreciated, and it really helps us in keeping the show going, expanding the show, and improving upon it. Gone Home was one of the first games upon which the term walking simulator was bestowed. These are games in which you move around an environment, seeking out artefacts and triggering audio and video logs that together tell a story. The interaction comes from the order and the pacing through which you uncover these moments of interest, the resultant depth of understanding determined by how far the player is willing to interpret both the world around them and their own reading of what they've seen. The walking simulator term began life as a smear, an insult created by those who don't consider such games, games at all. However, creators of the games and fans of them have adopted the term and the genre has thrived since its inception. Here Steve talks to us about the progress that he and his studio Fulbright has made from Gone Home to Tacoma. He also talks about the nature of his games and how they are constructed and where the games industry and games culture as a whole sits within wider culture. Can games, for example, ever become as culturally relevant as novels or movies? He begins by discussing what it is that both Gone Home and Tacoma share at their core.
1: The the core experience, or the core interaction of yeah, of I, I th- like, like you said, there's differences, but the the heart of both Gone Home and Tacoma are you know that uh, that satisfaction of arriving somewhere and you know having the place itself be a mystery or contain a mystery, and then the 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 ability to understand it in a new way by having moved through it and and you know discovered what it contains um, and I think that there is you know that's a that's an experience you can have in real life um, mm. but it's rare to really you know just sort of stumble upon one of those. Um, you know, experiences in life through happenstance where, you know, you you, you come across a, an abandoned house and then find out, you know, what what happened there and why it's abandoned or, you know, something like that. I mean, I guess it's closer to the job of, you know, like a crime scene investigator or something, um, but that's also a very different context. So there's this, this feeling, I think, of, you know, games having a unique ability to create a space and allow the player to visit it and inhabit it and have it to themselves um, within that experience in a way that I think is is pretty unique. And so, I think what we focus on is how to you know use mechanics and use what you find in the world to express that feeling, you know, that satisfying feeling of saying. I used my own intuition and my kind of, you know, skills as an investigator, just someone who is observant to, you know, be a part of this place by, um, by reconstructing what it means by being in it. Um, and that's something that, you know, that ability of, of, letting the player be somewhere and also be an active participant in what happens there, yeah. um, enables the kind of, you know, investigation games that we make.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it reminds me, um, uh, when you think about sort of participation and, and kind of, um, investigation, there's, um, there's quite a famous, um, GDC taught by Ken Levine, and he's and he's talking about you know, there's three different kinds of players in, in terms of how they how they digest the story. There's the ones that don't care. There's the ones that will kind of just go go along for the ride, and then there's the ones that will really dig deep and and try to uncover everything. So, yeah. from what you're saying, is it are you kind of explicitly only aiming at that third kind of the player, the the one that you know you have to be that kind of player in order to enjoy enjoy the kind of games that you make?
1: Um, I would say it's more like the second two kinds. (laughs) Um, Where, you know, Mm. if if you just don't care what is going on in the story layer whatsoever, then there's really not a lot of of reason to be involved with what we do. But we do still try to tune the games so that if you are just following the breadcrumbs and finding the stuff that is the least hidden, that that stuff adds up to the the, the, the spine of the story. It adds up to the, um, the critical information that you need to understand at least, you know, the kind of top-level story. Um, and especially in Gone Home, I used very, you know, similar techniques that I, you know, learned from working on the Bioshock series to um, organize that information, you know, which is to say... Sam's story was like, you know, the the one that was told by the audio diaries was kind of, quote-unquote, the story of the game. It was at least the central story of the game. And so the intent was just through, you know, level design uh, techniques to, to say, like, if you go into a room and you're at least basically, you know, observant of what's in it, it'll be easy to find the things that will give you the audio diaries in basically an understandable order so that if you're not, you know, digging deep, you're still like, Oh, I played from the beginning to the end. And I know what happened. And that was cool. And that was satisfying. And then for the third kind of player, you're talking about everything else that you could find that's more hidden, but that also, if you miss it, it doesn't detract from the main story will instead add to it and, give you access to additional storylines that you might not have been aware of and and all that that kind of stuff. And so hopefully, I think think that the the goal is to make the experience satisfying for a player who only gets the stuff that is the most gettable and then to uh, make the player who digs deeper and tries to find everything feel like doing that was worth it. Because there's certainly some games where you can be like, oh, I, I, you know, I, I, I put in extra effort to try to find out more, and they let me do that, but then what I find doesn't really give me anything, so why did I do that? And hopefully the the inverse is true in Gone Home, where it's like, if I choose to dig deeper, I'm glad I did, but yeah. if I don't, I haven't been totally blocked out of the experience.
0: Yeah. So when you're actually coming um, to... So a lot, so some of those... Some of the, comments that players make of that sort um, in terms of, oh, I, I dug deep, but it, it wasn't worth digging. Um, you often kind of get the sense that it wasn't worth digging in, I'm not going to name any games, but <laughs> it, you often get you often get the sense that it's not worth digging in those games because that extra content is kind of seems like an afterthought. It's, it's just literally been added in there at the end to, to kind of give those kind of players something to do, right. but it doesn't feel like that in in your game so is what's the writing process there is it everything every single element in the game is written and designed as as a as a as a whole or are or do you do the kind of the core story first and then have little threads that that come off of it that you add on afterwards
1: i mean that's a good question um i think that it happens in an iterative way um you know we definitely s- well what do you think about it uh, we in general we're thinking first about what the main story is um but there isn't much that goes into our games that happens kind of like all at once you know like like all the way through to completion and then go back and, and do stuff you know to to like do another full so it's not like okay let's do the entire yeah. whole main story okay now that's done let's go back and add stuff to it i think it's it's more uh-huh. you know let's figure out what the events are in the main story and why they're happening and how it relates to the characters okay now that we know what the main story beats are we need to think about how to actually express that to the character and how to support that with more stuff you find so you're like oh if this happens how's the player going to know that or you can put this thing that they find and this piece of audio and you know they'll see this and now they'll know that that happened and a lot of times what's interesting is that's what leads to additional um story threads that then you have to you know support further where you're like i don't know with um with Gone Home, there was a lot of stuff where we started with a fact, you know, we started with something like, okay, this, the, the family that's like this suburban family lives in this big sprawling mansion. So why that happened? You know, why is the game set here? Why are these people, you know, we decided these yeah. kinds of people would be here. Now, why are they here? And that led to a lot of the specifics of the highest level story of the game, which was just like, you know, here's your teenage sister and she falls in love and that leads to conflict. <laughs> And But we're like, okay, but why is it in this house, why is it happening to these people? And, you know, we're like, okay, well, uh, if they inherited it from their uncle, that's cool, but why did they inherit it from their uncle, and who was he? And it seems like this house is, like, up in isolation on a, on a hill, so maybe, you know, it has some sort of uh, stigma attached to it, and so, you know, like, now you're like, okay, well if the townspeople were kind of suspicious of him, how do we make the player know that? So that now Sam has this kind of like, you know, cloud hanging over her with the kids at school, but also it makes Lonnie think she's cool and interesting. So it brings them together. So that's cool. Okay. So that's all great. How do we put that in front of the player? And then also why, why is there this like, you know, this stigma from the town to the uncle? What's the backstory for that? And so it all, I think that it's, It's finding the important points, you know, finding the main points and then just starting to ask the questions about, like, if we've decided that that is one of the things that happened, why did it happen and how do we get that across to the player and then continuing to build from there? I think that's true in Tacoma as well, where we say, you know, this event happened at this point in the story. So what are the characters talking about that gets that across? And then from there, since we're only seeing these snippets of what happened, how do we further support what dialogue and what events are happening within the active scenes with documents and with things that you find in the characters bunks and all that kind of stuff. But it does start from just like what happened, how do we get that across in the most straightforward way now how do we support what we put in front of the player to get the main point across with all the other stuff they find it just builds in layers as we go um as opposed to being kind of like here's the monolithic center at central story now let's add some additional threads you know like in parallel to it
0: yeah 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 it's interesting it's, it sounds like you know it, it's the design is just is as much as anything else, being able to figure out what the right questions are that you need to ask yourself yeah. in order to create what you, which is kind of an interesting, um, not mirror. It's sort of like the sort of like the inverse of what you're asking the player to do. I suppose right. if you're trying to you're kind of asking the getting the player to answer or or or, or, or find answers right. to a lot of these a lot of these questions. Well, I think it, um, yeah, I think
1: it comes from you know, like I'm. It, on on larger teams i was a level designer and i think it comes from a very kind of level design mindset of the level designer on a on a team is the one who is closest to the moment to moment player experience you know like gameplay programmers are are creating you know how Various systems work and gameplay designers are tuning how the weapons work or, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, all the different people on the team are, are, are building a lot of what the game is made of. But then the level designers job is to place those things in front of the player and say, OK, now when the player walks through this door, these enemies are going to do these things. And then I introduce this new power. And this is how. When they get the power, they're going to understand what it does. And, you know, kind of being in the player's shoes and having to ask those questions of, like, okay, if we have this player power that has these abilities, and we need to get the player to understand what they are and why it's, like, cool or useful to use them. I can't just, like, put it in the middle of the floor and be like, good luck. How do we, if I'm the player, how do I walk in and see the power pickup and then pick it up and then see something else and be like, Oh, I should do this. And then when I do it, I'm like, Oh, I get how this works. And that was awesome. I should do it again. Um, And I think that it's a, a similar thing, you know, where it's where you are kind of working backwards. Like you said, where you're sort of like, okay, I know that I want the player to end up understanding this thing about the story or this thing about the characters and with the mechanics or the 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 elements of the game that we have, how can I put this and this and this in front of the player so that when they encounter it, they'll say like, oh, I understand this about the story and this about the characters. And that can you know come down to something like, you know, very, very um fiddly, like in Gone Home, the scene in the dining room, that's about um, Sam coming out to her parents. There's the, 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 uh, the, the, gameplay scripting, the events that that fires off of is you go to the dining room table and you open up a school folder and there's two documents in it. There's one letter from the parents to Sam and there's one, um, I think it's like, uh, uh, a note that is Sam getting sent home because she was suspended. Um and my gameplay scripting in that part says you have to click on both of them in total, in either order, but it's saying like, okay, you've clicked on one, now you've clicked on the other, now we'll play the audio diary. And it's that's that 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 you know player perspective thing of me saying like, well I don't want you just to click one and then be trying to read the other one while the audio is playing, but also I want you to have both of these pieces of information before you hear the third one and, and just kind of working through like, what are the things, what do you have to do to make this happen? How does that add up in the end to the understanding of the story or the, the context of the game um, that I, as the writer and designer started from and kind of meeting yeah. at that point where we have a shared understanding.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, given, given the, the design that you've, um, that you've gone through and gone home, and, and maybe also from the player side as well, that the player kind of understands what you're trying to do there. Has, has that in, has that sort of pushed you to, to do more with, with Tacoma? Have you tried to, push the envelope on that even more or and do things maybe not more complicated from the, the player side but certainly maybe more complicated in in some design or narrative way has has it has it encouraged you to do that now that you've kind of shown that that kind of game does work players can understand and really enjoy that game um has it as it kind of yeah has it pushed you to do more or, or or do you not even do you, or do you not think about it in that very sort of linear mm. progression kind of way
1: well i think it's interesting because you got to play the tacoma demo um i mean yeah, i would be interested to hear what you think because i think that what we're doing with the additional layer of the kind of non-linear story sequences that you can move through um does push
0: in that direction, but did you feel that way Um yeah, yeah, I did. And um yeah, just the fact that you can I need to play it more to really to really to really understand what I think about it, I suppose. So sure. uh, sorry, just sorry the to idea put you on that... the spot. <laughs> <laughs> just the idea that you can um that that just the idea that that it's it's real people that you're that you're listening to and the fact that you can kind of see them moving and stuff, there it adds like a strong kind of emotional element to what you're seeing and the fact that you can see it in see different things in the uh the same events but in different orders, um yeah. really does alter the emotional reading of of that singular um event given that you're so explicitly exposed to it. Yeah. Um yeah. more so than you are in gone home because right. it's it's a more kind of abstracted you know you're reading artifacts rather than listening to the or watching the 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 event itself
1: yeah i mean that, those were the two things that we wanted to get to with tacoma like one was getting the player closer to the events of the story like i think that there is something i think i think part of what was like powerful or successful about gone home was the fact that you know, you were, you you had distance from the story. Like you were hearing Sam's audio diaries and they were very direct and personal and you, you could kind of extrapolate, you know, kind of like a, a lot just came from like the fact that you were just picturing things from her voice, I think was, important but then the flip side of that is we don't want to just repeat ourselves so like going the opposite direction saying okay what what if you could be in the room with these characters while these things were happening and be able to not just hear them but observe their body language and how they related to each other and kind of have that presence of standing next to them while these things are are going on and really kind of being there for them um but also Through the, you know, both the in fiction kind of technology, the augmented reality technology, and the actual game mechanic systems, be able to say, but you're not in the room with them. It isn't like a Walking Dead kind of thing where now, you know, you are choosing dialogue trees to like, you know, alter events. Instead, the fact that, again, you have that distance, that you're not really there, that you're in the space with representations of them, but after the events have already happened. Uh gives you access to the to the second half of this, which is that we can create these scenes that are dense in a way because they take you know they take each takes place over a relatively small amount of space, but also sprawling in the sense that there are these you know six characters that are all moving around independently and you are able to follow any of them in any order that that you choose, and like you were saying when you come into one of these spaces and there are these characters that are all moving around independently and you say, well, I'm going to follow character a and you understand their perspective. And then you follow character B and you understand their perspective. And then you follow the third character that all three of them end up meeting up together. And your read on each of those moments is based on what you've chosen to engage with up to that point. Um, And so I think and hope there's this interesting element of because I chose to follow character B instead of A and then did the inverse, I'm now like, oh, that thing that they were saying earlier has totally new context to it from what I just discovered and kind of those eureka moments of building up to uh, a whole picture of what happened. But within it, saying this is a kind of nonlinear knot of stuff that i'm untying and there are these like mini revelations throughout it that you know you're saying like oh wow i didn't realize that was going on with them before they came into this conversation and that colored what you know their their reaction was and all that kind of stuff um and so to to that end you know gone home was a a a, you know traditionally level designed uh game where you know the the point was to try to lead you from one audio diary to the next to the next so that you get you know the the story in the right order and it all makes sense and you you know you're you're discovering it in in a player driven way but you're also being guided to it um in a linear order by the the designer Tacoma is both more linear in some ways i.e we are unlocking sections of the station in order based on like the mission that the um that the company that is employing you um has laid out but the flip side is that within each of those spaces we say you're free to come in here and explore the entirety of everything that is here in whatever order you choose and it all that's important is that it adds up to a whole that you you know uh are are satisfied with and can move on from I think there's something that is powerful about saying to the player, you know, we built this nonlinear piece of content and we've given you tools to see it from every angle and now it's up to you to play that role as opposed to we've laid these breadcrumbs out in an order and we're going to, um, you know, hopefully, subtly, or or in a legitimate way, you know, (laughs) guide you along that path. Um, But it's really up to you to, you know, like, be observant while you follow along instead of saying, oh, well, now I'm going to go over here and I'm going to rewind time to this and I'm going to see what was going on because I feel like this must have been happening at the same time as this other thing. And you're kind of making those connections actively. And hopefully that's like a cool new feeling.
0: We're only halfway through, so we hope you're enjoying our chat with Steve Gaynor we just like to take a moment to introduce you to Independent by Design, art and stories of indie game creation, which is perfect for those wanting to delve deeper into games, game creators and game design. It's a hardback book that tells the inside story of some of the world's best game studios and their games. It's informed by tens of hours of original interviews and is loaded with pages of artwork and concept and design documents. 26 studios and individuals are included such as The Chinese Room, Creators of Everybody's Gone to the Rapture and Dear Esther Tom Francis, who gave us Gunpoint and Lucas Pope of Papers Please fame You just need to go to IndieByDesign.net to get your copy today You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube at IndieByDesign and our website as well as being a portal through which to listen to our podcast and buy our book is full of interesting editorial content for you to read Again, that's at IndieByDesign.net We'd also like to remind you of our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash Indie by Design. Indie by Design is unfunded, so if you can support us, then that would be fantastic. We begin the second half of the show with Steve Gaynor discussing the moment-to-moment gameplay of his games, and how they feed into and create the wider whole.
1: If there's, the, if there's a satisfying feeling of you know, the pieces falling into place as you explore these things, then hopefully that makes it a worthwhile experience. I mean, I feel like that's a lot of what there, there are certain, like <clears throat> there are high level, high level experiences with a game where you're like overall, you know, the, the, the full story of the game or the overall arc of the game or the, you know, the, the, the feeling over hours of kind of like leveling up if you're in a RPG or, or something like that um, <clears throat> is good or bad or satisfying or, or, you know, whatever. Um, but then there's the moment-to-moment experience of saying, like, oh, and, you know, killing this enemy is really satisfying because I had this one, you know, whatever, enemy encounter, and uh, it was really, you know, I, I like that thing that happens in that moment, and then it adds up to the larger um, larger thing. And I, and I think that, you know, with a lot of games, that is kind of a, a very... Um, game mechanical or like audio visual feedback based, you know, kind of thing um, where you're like, oh, it just feels good to play. Or, you know, when I got a drop on that enemy player in in multiplayer and they didn't know I was there and I took them out, that was awesome. Um, and that's the kind of moment to moment stuff. And so I think that in games like ours, those moment to moment kind of like spikes of engagement or of, you know, feeling like the thing that's happening is satisfying within the larger arc is when you do find those pieces that click together, you know, and that can be like in Gone Home where, you know, you see, and this is a very classic environmental storytelling thing of like, you see an object in the world and then you read a note. And then you hear the audio diary and you're like, oh, now this audio diary makes that thing I saw in that note I read all make sense. And that's really satisfying, you know. And that's been very set up by the designer, you know, which is me uh, in this case. Uh, that's been very <laughs> yeah. set up by me to just say, okay, you'll click on this and then this and then you'll hear this. And now you'll be like, oh, cool, you know, um, or or what have you. Um, and in Tacoma, I hope that there's, you know, the, that the... our version of that is that, yeah, we kind of handed you these, these big, you know, relatively big um, uh, kind of spread out moments and you are, you are having those kind of like dawning realization or, or click moments that are like, Oh, because I saw this and then this, and then I heard them say that, That means that that other thing I saw earlier, wait, I'm going to rewind and look at that again. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And you're kind of involved in that reconstruction in a more direct way, but that it it leads to a similar kind of thing of you having those micro moments within the whole experience saying like, oh, that's what he was talking about. Or that's where he was going when he left the other place. Now I know why he seemed, you know mad or something when he was uh, coming into the scene earlier and and kind of having those points where you have been the kind of medium for those those moments lining up um and and adding up to to something bigger um It's just interesting to to think of the parallels between those kinds of micro moments and something like, you know, whatever, getting a sweet headshot in in Call of Duty or something, you know, it's like, you can't have the big picture without those little moments in between and finding ways that the mechanics and the content add up to those kinds of little revelations um, in in a game like ours is kind of interesting to feel our way into.
0: Yeah, yeah. So is that how you um is that how you go about it that you think about it um in the small moments and then um, and then work into the bigger thing i mean it sounds like a very um you know there's like a there's like a um an understanding in like you know stoicism and things like that that if you if the big picture is kind of making you upset and you can't see how how to progress then you know you look at e- you look at each individual tree rather mm-hmm. than the whole forest and then you can work out how to how to progress is, is that um is that typically how you kind of process things in your in your mind in in that way
1: well i mean i think that, you know it has been harder for me and Carla to so Carla Zamanja is my my story partner and my studio co founder and you know we've had to learn how to write a new kind of story for us um, with Tacoma like you know we we were very grateful to get to learn how to build the kind of story that we that we made and gone home from working on the bioshock series and and being put in charge of the Minerva's Den DLC for Bioshock Two and kind of Having a really clear model for how to get that shape of story across to the player, and being able to translate that from a big, big game like Bioshock into a smaller game that's totally focused on those aspects, like Gone Home. And so the the harder part for us is, you know, when you change the mechanics of the game as we as we have in Tacoma, when we say, okay, this is actually an ensemble story. And it's about being in these big moments that everyone's involved in. And it's about the player being able to be inside of those moments in kind of an organic, nonlinear way. All of that means that we can't tell the same kind of story that has the same shape because we're not telling it in the same way. And I think that we had those kinds of moments that you're describing where we're like, okay, we can't can't solve this... um, in like you know one big heroic kind of like let's look at the entire problem and solve the whole thing. Um, I think that you know we we did have to kind of go back and forth and say, okay, if this has to be about the whole crew, it, like we need to we need to kind of like audit what we actually have, and that's to say, you know, this game with the the mechanics that we have, it can't be about one character being the most important character and everybody else being supporting characters because everybody is equally in these scenes. Um, So what kinds of moments lend themselves to being expressed in these ways? Okay, so how then do we write a story or build a story that is about all of these characters being important to it instead of there being the one important character like Sam or like Porter in Minerva's den and everything else supporting that. And so we had to look at more, um, more examples that were outside of what we had already worked on um, to see what, you know, what, what are ensemble stories that are, um, that are are meaningful examples for us. You know, it's, it's obviously you can look at things like alien, uh, that has a a crew on this, on this stage or on this ship. And they're all kind of in this, they have to deal with this crisis together. You know, I looked at things like the wire where, you know, uh, theoretically, at least in the first season, McNulty is like the main character of the wire. But then in the second season, he's hardly even in it. And then the third and, and, successive seasons it's really very spread out between all the characters And, and just looking at all these examples of what are stories that we can think of that you know we respect and appreciate and that also are some guideposts for how do we make something that is about multiple characters perspective and how they all contribute to the viewer or the player's understanding of the plot in total that's affecting all of them. Um, and so I think it's, it's like you're saying where we had a big problem that we were just like, how, what story are we writing and how does it relate to what we're doing? And we had to look at the individual aspects of it and say like, well, what about the way that we know how to work doesn't apply to what we're doing and what is here instead? And what's that similar to, and then how can we find examples and, um, and, 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 you know, uh, points of reference for ourselves to be able to understand what the individual, um, elements of what we actually need to do are so we can start building towards those. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, it is very much that kind of like break it down, try to understand it piece by piece, build it back up into the thing that it, that it needs to be kind of processed because if it's too big and too, you know, kind of like overwhelming, uh, from 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 you know the the zoomed out the forest perspective um it's really hard to to get a grasp on it
0: yeah and this is changing the subject slightly but it does kind of it does kind of follow on um the it's interesting that you mentioned that your your examples are that you're looking at with with ensemble pieces are from film and and television Mm -hmm. um and it kind of reminds me of you wrote a blog post about in about 10 years ago uh, in 2008 <laughs> in which you um in which you made a in which you kind of made a bet with with the world I suppose <laughs> yeah. um um as to you and your bet was that video games wouldn't ever um attract the same level of um, cultural impact or uh, cultural discourse as novels or or films and I'm just wondering um, what what was it that kind of inspired you to write that was it like a was it a dissatisfaction or a frustration with games and now 10 years on do you do you still think the same things or or has your mind been changed or influenced in in another way
1: i don't know it's hard yeah um it's a you know it's a, it's still a complex subject i guess um There's a lot of kind of like founder's syndrome um, that happens in any space, in any creative space, um, cultural space. You know, I think the comparison for me was that, you know, games feel like they live in a similar space to comic books, which they, you know, they, they, they started as this, you know, very pulpy medium that was aimed at adolescence. And in a lot of cases they've grown and there have been examples of, you know, great work, um, that has kind of, um, more, you know, nuance to it or whatever that you can point to, whether it's, you know, the Watchmen or Chris Ware's work or, you know, mouse or take your, your pick, right. There's, um, there, there are examples but there's the overarching identity of the medium that's like, okay, but, you know, if you walk into a comic shop, it's still, you know, that that's not the identity of the, the medium. The identity is still kind of where it came from. And you can point to saying, like, well, but now everyone's a comic fan because superhero movies are the most popular, you know, like, profitable movies in the world. And it's sort of like, well, that's using stuff that comics built to uh to expand or to uh reinforce or benefit film as a medium right like there's not I don't think that relatively speaking numbers wise there's a ton of conversion from people being like I went and saw the Avengers and now I go down to my comic shop every week and you know read all the all the comics right it's more like no you know movies have become stronger from taking what Comics had built and turning it into movies, um, and so anyway, long story short, I guess I feel like you know, I, I I think that games are are in this space where more than ever we're seeing a lot of breadth and a lot of uh, you know interesting examples of stuff that is further outside of what games have traditionally done and that's really cool and that's really great um but i but i you know it's a it's still kind of a subset of of what games are and it's sort of like the the two sides of it are that like that's fine and that's not even really like a criticism but it's also kind of true. You know that it's that it's sort of like okay, if if you're trying to work outside of the traditional expectations, it's still going to be kind of like something you have to search for within games as opposed to something that they that they present themselves as outwardly. Um, and it's really interesting in a way because like, you know, I'm I you know, I feel like I'm in a good place To be conversant with that that whole dynamic, in terms of you know, I'm 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 a fan of you know I'm like a tradition I'm a traditional gamer. I I don't know. I I came I came up playing PC games and console games, and I still play you know tons of um, of of AAA games and you know all 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 the stuff that's out there. I think that it's really true of any indie developer, practically. that we're all playing all the stuff that everybody's playing, um, and also trying to push further outside of the boundaries of what's already been done. Um, and I think it's I think it's kind of really important to straddle that line and be able to say, even if I'm making something that isn't exactly like, you know, big. Uh, you know, high budget, um, games. I know what those things are and I both know what players who play them, which is like practically all the players who are going to play our games. Um, I know what they're, you know, what, what expectations or what perspective they're taking from those and bringing to our games. And also, you know, d- like design is design and, uh, a really clever solution to a design problem in a AAA game doesn't have to be expensive, you know what I mean? Like, if you see, like, oh, wow, okay, actually, that's a really great way to get this concept across to a player through this, like, UI, you know, um, technique, I could apply that to my game. You know, like, that's also the kind of thing um, where big games and small games are talking to each other. Um, But I don't know, I mean, I, I... it's sort of it's one of those things that is, <clears throat> I guess, maybe interesting to think about when you're you know not really in the industry yet and you're younger and you're blah blah blah. Um, in in terms of like, oh, are our games ever going to be respected or whatever? And it's sort of like you don't have you don't have control over it. All you have control over is whether you can be comfortable working within the frame that is there and trying to you know, do what you want within it. Um, Because, you you know, you aren't going to be able, like, you know, you aren't going to be able to say, like, ah, now games are respectable, (laughs) you know, like, or or whatever. And you can't... At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I mean, I think the only thing that matters about it is, you know, you want people... You want people who would be interested in what you're doing to be able to have access to it. And I think that's maybe kind of the worry, right? Is if you're doing a comic book that's really personal and, you know, like might appeal to people who would never normally walk into a comic shop, they have to walk into a comic shop to have access to it or into the comic section of a big bookstore or, you know, whatever, search it uh, specifically or just hear about it. And, you know, it's the same kind of thing where it's sort of like, well, if, if we're making something that someone who doesn't normally kind of work within this space and understand you know, like, what they have access to through video games, that there's just going to be fewer people who might be able to, like, enjoy the thing you're making and and engage with it to actually get at it, um, you know, in, in a way that is kind of low low friction. Um, you know, people who are more of, like, traditional gamers, like me, who are just like, well, you know, I have a Steam account. I, I know where to, you know, I bought a PlayStation whatever an xbox i know where to to get this stuff i know that you know these kinds of things are in there along with these other kinds of things and i kind of like have internalized that that space have access to more of that stuff but if you're sort of like well i'm a person who might be interested in xyz you know indie games or or other games that aren't in that traditional space you know like the path there is just longer because you're not already nearby and it it's sort of like i think there is i think that's the i think that's the one practical aspect of the consideration of the argument is just being like <clears throat> it's it's a shame if there are people who might be interested in what we're doing who just don't even know it's there or how to get to it um because you kind of already have to be in the game sphere to really even have awareness or or access
0: yeah do you think um um any of that is related to kind of the the comparative youth of games and that maybe when sort of like the, the gatekeepers too putting it out into the more mainstream spheres, um, in, in the same way that film is is recorded and critiqued and, and whatever else in say daily national newspapers mm-hmm. and other sorts genuinely mass media um avenues and maybe when people of the sort of gaming generation take up those positions as the as the editors of those things you think maybe games will come into that sphere more and be uh you know because the because the people in charge mm-hmm. will will see it as a normal part of their everyday kind of media sort of mix
1: I mean yeah i think I think to some degree, and I think we're already seeing that right you know I mean, I think that there's way more mainstream coverage of games that are coming out, whether they're big games or or small games, and I think that's that's interesting and cool and good um and I think you know just like references to game stuff in popular culture is way more common now it's, it's i mean it's it's funny to be you know, getting older and be like, okay, if I watch, like, a comedy special on, you know, TV or if I, you know, engage with any kind of, like, you know, thing like that that might have, like, pop culture references or or stuff like that in it, that, like, I'm the same age as the people who are making this stuff or or older at, at this point, you know, and it's just sort of, like, you're just, you're watching something and the people in it are just, like, making offhand references to Mario Kart or something. And it's just sort of like, that's weird. It's cool. Like, it's just funny to be like, oh, right. We're, I'm now of a generation where everybody else who's making stuff is going to talk about, you know, what, like if they're talking about their childhood, they're going to talk about how they were playing Pokemon, you know, with their friends or whatever, right? And you're just sort of like, everybody does have that shared reference point especially of the big stuff um and it doesn't have to be explained and and it is just kind of part of what's in the water in in a cool way um but you know i think that there's still kind of that that um that fall off aspect as well where it's like well how many people have kept up with it and how many people are you know becoming aware of when a really interesting small game comes out and i think that for more of the time, it's it's accessible to the people who are already invested, and I think that kind of theoretically the desire is to be able to allow more people to either you know hang on or or find their way back in because there's enough yeah, like sure, interesting yeah. stuff that that is worth sticking around for that you know they aren't gonna gonna kind of you know bail out and uh, and miss. More good, interesting things when they come around, um, but you know, whatever. It's it's all it's all theoretical, really. Uh, I, you know, the the audience is growing all the time, and indie games are you know actually able to be like a sustainable thing to make if you're lucky, um, and that's that's way different than it was like ten years ago or fifteen years ago. So, um, you know, the, the things are there are things that are certainly moving in a in a good direction.
0: Yeah uh and, and this you know i don't want to get too kind of um you know airy fairy and, and and whatever but the i wonder if how much when you, when you first decided that you were going to be a games designer that this is what you're going to dedicate your sort of creativity towards and and your career towards and and much of your the, the time that makes up your life mm-hmm. towards um well it was it was Was your feelings on um, the sort of uh, the potential of games and their the sort of lack of that influence that they'd had over the sort over sort of culture and compared to other things was was that an influence in was that like a driving force behind you wanting to be in part of games and, and a driving force between behind the kinds of games that you wanted to create so was that kind of what were you trying to where are is there any part of your designs that are setting out to kind of bring games into that
1: well I mean that cult yeah I guess I would say that one conscious thing that I you know thought about so when I, I didn't I didn't really realize that I wanted to and might be able to you know make games as the thing that I did for my career, um, until I was in college and there, you know, I was taking a lot of film courses and, um, drawing comics and writing comics. And I, I I was in, you know, an art program doing like illustration and, and stuff like that more, more than anything. And those were the directions that I was going in. But then, you know, my, basically my notebooks of like stuff that was supposed to be like comics, ideas or whatever start just started turning into all like game ideas and game design ideas and stuff and at, at some point i realized like well it seems like what i actually want to be doing is like making games and not this other stuff uh because that's you know what what my brain is trying to tell me and so within thinking about that i was you know like okay well comics have been around for you know well, i mean you know depending on your your view of them for hundreds uh Or more years but you know in the form that they're in now for more than 100 years as have um as has film and you know it's it's certainly not like there isn't innovation to be done in those media um certainly but like games are so much younger and have so much more unexplored territory in them that i certainly you know had that thought of saying like well yeah, if if making games is going to be what I'm what I'm going to do, there's a lot more that has, you know, never been done at all yet in games that they could be capable of um than a lot of other media that you could be working on. And that was, you know, that was definitely like that was exciting and interesting to me to be able to say like I love when I play a game and I feel like it's doing something I've never seen before and the opportunity to do that in games is kind of like all out there. Um, and and that's really cool. And then, you know, from my own just personal kind of aesthetic thrust or whatever, yeah, being able to say, like, some of the boundaries that games you know, um, haven't crossed very much or are much less common seeing games is, like, the ability just to talk about people that you might know or, you know, things that are just sort of mundane and might happen to, to anybody and make that Part of what you're experiencing, um, and it's certainly not like it's never been done before or anything. But it's it's rare and exciting when you see something in a game that you're like, "This feels so familiar. This is like something that could have just happened to me." Because games are so good at the opposite of saying, "Like this is so crazy. I'm you know this world is like something I've never seen before," which is awesome. But using the inverse to give you new access to things that feel familiar through a different lens, I think is. Is just as as inspiring, um, but it all comes down to that that ability potentially to be able to say like what what can we do with games that that hasn't been done, and there's still like an incredible amount of that left out there for sure.
0: For more on games and game creators, visit indiebydesign.net. And follow us on Twitter at Indie by Design. The Indie by Design podcast is brought to you by the writers and creators of Independent by Design Art and Stories of Indie Game Creation. Episodes are released weekly on Wednesdays with our patrons via patreon.com forward slash Indie by Design, getting access to additional content. Music is kindly provided by Ben Prunty.